Okay, well, welcome to a very special Q&A episode of Banter, maybe the most ever interactive episode of Banter we've ever done. Mm. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm good. Fun yesterday up on stage. Yeah, that was great. It was, it was a good time, and I think that um, yeah, obviously there were uh, more questions than we had time to answer. So we'll have mm. to take that into account for mm. this coming week and make sure we create space for that because mm. we loved your questions and we thank you for that. And please continue to send them in throughout mm. this Trinity series. Um, but before we dive into those, um, there were actually some elements of sort of our chat mm. that we wanted to still share on. Mm. We kind of cut them out uh, for sake of time and people getting out to their Father's Day <laughs> yes. lunches. What your, would your Father's Day afternoon look like? Uh, we had a picnic out in the grass. Nice. Thank you. Excellent. No, we uh, had a little Father's Day lunch at my place. We uh, had my dad over. George showed off everyone on his rocking horse, you know. Yep. It's the, the, the joys of, of growing up. You get to, yeah. you know, show off things, which yeah, yeah. for an adult, uh, yeah, on a rocking horse. But yeah, for true. a 20-month-year-old, oh, my gosh, the kid's yeah, a genius. So exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everyone was transfixed. And also, I think the um, plus side of being the only grandson so far that everything he does he's a genius yeah. at the moment gets spoiled <laughs> that's it indeed yeah. indeed but um yeah no speaking of fathers and father's day we kind of went into this first um part of the trinity and we obviously had some themes that we wanted to explore in this um we spoke a little bit about this idea of god as father mm. um but we kind of didn't get into it as deeply as we'd mm. hoped and especially God as Father in the Old Testament. Mm. Jesus speaks quite regularly and clearly um, about God as his Father in the New Testament. Um, but this language of God as Father in the Old Testament, um, do we kind of see it? Is there a precedent for it? And how does it sort of inform our understanding? Yeah. So while the, I guess, term Father is not used widely to mm. describe God in the Old Testament, it is there. Um Obviously, most <laughs> Jews wouldn't use it. Sure. But um, so actually, one of the first uses comes from Exodus chapter four. Hmm. So during the um, yeah Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, says the Exodus four twenty two. Then Fer- then then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says: Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Hmm. So what God does here is he's identifying Israel, obviously, as his firstborn and taking on this father role. Mm. And in the ancient world, the firstborn son was the most important son. Mm. They inherited the the family name. They continued the legacy of the father. And so by, by doing that, God hasn't created Israel like um, the gods would do, you know, sleeping with another god, a female god. There's... God is creator. He's outside of creation, doesn't use violence or divine sexual practices. He creates by speaking and Mm. humans populating. But he calls his firstborn son Israel by election. Mm. And so Israel has this special role among the nations. And so by that statement, God is identifying himself as the father of the Israelites. They, as his Mm. people collectively, are his son. And yeah, and that's why the Egyptian firstborn are killed. It's like, hey, you want to kill my firstborn? I'm going to kill your firstborn. Sure. And so that's the sort of the emphasis of the um, Passover and yeah. the Exodus is rescuing Yahweh's firstborn. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, so it's got so much sort of wrapped up in that. Yes. So Israel is seen as a nation, as God's firstborn son. Mm. And this is the sort of first time that we see God identifying it in, in mm. that way. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the first thing which is really striking is this idea as well that then God sends his only begotten son mm. as the final Passover lamb mm. to then save Israel, which yes. is also his firstborn son. Yeah. <laughs> and then riffing off that, you've got Abraham and Isaac. Yes. And so Isaac is Abraham's. And we he's not his firstborn, but sure. it's the like chosen son. Yes. It's the, the special son. And so, yeah, even that, that's this idea that continues on through Scripture is the, the special son, the firstborn son being sure. rescued, yeah. divinely protected to ensure God's purposes are fulfilled. Yeah. And ultimately to then inherit what the mm. father has for them, that, yeah. that sort of idea as well, yeah. which is, yeah, really, really interesting when we then see that idea of firstborn son come through into to Samuel with David mm. and even Solomon. What's the sort of significance there yeah. then when God's sort of using this language of father yeah. and son in those passages? So one of the things, kings in the ancient world were seen as literally the son of God. Mm. Um, so it could be the son of a male God or the son of a daughter God. And that mm. was, it's actually what's interesting when you look at the Exodus, mm. Pharaoh saw himself as divine. So it was a battle of two gods, which we miss out on as mm. kind of Westerns. We just think, yeah. oh, I think what an idiot Pharaoh was. How could you stand up against God? But Pharaoh saw himself as God. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He believed his own hype. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but in Israel, the, the king was called the son of God. But sure. King David didn't think he was divine sure. or Solomon or any of the righteous kings. That was son by that election yeah and in hebrew the word for son is ben so like benjamin like yeah, son yeah. of my right hand um yeah, yeah. ben can mean like a biological son like asher and marcus are my biological son or yeah. george is yours but also can mean like inheriting the traits of mm. and so yeah even going back to israel the nation of israel being firstborn is mm. the torah is there to reflect the traits of Yahweh. Mm. And so as the king, the king was meant to be, this is the person you look to mm. to show that to show you how to live. So mm. the king was required in Deuteronomy 17 to read through Torah every year. It's like it's pretty much the only requirement. It's like, hey, make sure you like you memorize this law, make sure you write it down, every year go through it so you'll yeah. lead these people properly. Yeah. And that was the idea was as the son of God mm. As, like in Psalm two talks a little bit about this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that was that idea was <clears throat> the son of David was supposed to be a representative of who Yahweh was. But two Samuel seven gets a little bit deeper. It's, it seems to imply here, and I'll read out here two Samuel seven fourteen. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you. And don't have the whole verse there, it talks about having an everlasting mm. house. Mm. And so there's a... And this is what's hard with the Old Testament, is you sort of... We spoke about this before. You have the kind of a, the first fulfillment yeah. and the later fulfillment. The so fulfillment. we can do... You can read this and go, oh, okay, he's talking about mm. you know, David's going to keep having grandsons who will rule. Yeah. We read this through the lens of Jesus and we're like, well, actually, yeah, Jesus is considered to be sin yes. on the cross, even though he did no sin. So, yes. and he is punished by a rod. Yes. In, in some regards, he is flogged. Yeah. But his love is never taken away. Yeah. 
And so there's a that's the whole father son imagery that Jesus is riffing off. He's not only the nation of Israel, he's the son of David. Mm. And so yeah. there's all that there and literally is God's son, mm. not just like a uh, elected son, yeah. an actual act the actual son of God. So yeah, that's sort of what some of that language is happening there with yeah. God as father. It was used and also to there's other passages like Deuteronomy thirty two 32.6 says, Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish, unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator who made and formed you? So this idea that mm. God is father. He's the one who's created you. He's the one who's elected you. The son of David is that firstborn. So that was that was kind of the idea, but it wasn't used as we use father. Like we often pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like it was an idea, but not the chief term that was used to describe like Yahweh. Yeah, sure. And then I think in that as well, we have obviously this this idea of Father becoming in some ways more intimate through mm. Jesus. There's this idea of, you know, obviously Father, maybe um, although it is a consistent Father throughout the Old and New Testament, you kind of spoke about on Sunday how when Jesus starts using a word like Abba, Mm. this sort of intimate father there is a more deep relational um, father who is revealed not just as a sort of patriarchal figure of whom has authority to then you know pass on Mm. inheritance and pass on judgment you know Mm -hmm. to people Um, but something which is in some ways takes on more elements of a good earthly father Um, that's sort of nurturing and personable uh, and not just this hierarchical sort of father, which is really interesting as that Mm. image continues to sort of fold Mm. in in the New Testament. Yeah. And what's interesting is, so both New and Old Testament are very clear that God, God is a spirit, Mm. but God's always presented as a he. In, In Hebrew, it's always a he. He, it's in, in the masculine. But, yeah, aside from Jesus, who, you know, literally was a man, uh, humans are created in God's image, so both male and female yeah. share those traits. And so what, what I do find interesting in the Old Testament, so again from Deuteronomy 32, we're told you, you're unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. So Hmm. you got earlier on in Deuteronomy 32 talking about, hey, he's your creator, your father. And then we sort of shifted the language a bit to using he's a rock, Hmm. which probably was Moses was using that language to really go against the whole male, female, God sleeping together to produce offspring. Like a rock doesn't produce. A rock's a rock. It's it's not even fertile ground. (laughs) It's something, yeah, different again. It's a rock uh, that bore you and the God who gave you birth. So even though though God is presented uh, in the masculine as a male, there's still still like feminine image that's used. Mm. And there's a cool one in Isaiah 42.13. We're told here, Yahweh will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He'll stir up his zeal, he'll shout, he'll raise the battle cry, and will triumph over his enemies for a long time. I have kept silent, I have been quiet and held myself back, but now like a woman in childbirth, I will cry out, I will gasp and pant. Mm. So, and that you've got so both images yeah. coming together. Like a warrior is a yeah. masculine sure. figure, leading yeah, yeah, yeah. but also too, like a woman in childbirth. So yeah. it's interesting that. So while God, you can never say, well, God is mother, God obviously has 
for compassion and compassion as I guess say is yeah. built, built off the root word for womb there's a mm. compassionate motherly aspect to God mm. which we sort of see but never ever presented as a woman because there are some Christian cults out there that worship God as mother mm. and claim that that's the right way to do things but sure. you can't look at the Old Testament all the new and claim that but you can see like because obviously the word father for some has a lot of negative connotations mm, sure like if you haven't had a great father figure in your life it's hard to mm. wrap your head around and and that was really the point of looking at those pictures yesterday which probably we just for the sake of time didn't go into enough is yeah. that if you if you're a god is this bearded white man it, oh, bearded yeah. white beard, but also yeah, figure, also yeah. white old yeah, bearded yeah. white man yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um yeah, it's an unhelpful image because that's not sure. how God is presented. That's not, mm. uh, yeah, and that, it distorts the God you worship. And mm-hmm. I think that can also reinforce that whole violent image of God, or just a, or the opposite effect. Just think he's this aloof grandfather figure who <laughs> just sort of ah, sure rocks up care. at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, God's kind. He's just there in the background, like doesn't, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, and so that's it. The, the idea of like looking at God as Father, as our heavenly Father, just seeing these images of mm. in the Old Testament. I was like, yeah, He's called Israel. He's called the Son of David. But I'll say too, you can connect on Him, yeah, at a a deeper level too. Yeah, compassion to God, long of nose, yep. slow to, slow to anger. Yeah, He shows Hasid, lo- loving, loyal kindness. He's yeah. a God who forgives, and that's. Yeah, fulfills that role. I guess if you're missing that void of both your mother and yeah. your father in your life, God can do that in that sense. For sure. In the mysterious way. And that's yeah. the way all this stuff we hold intention of. Like, yeah, God's a he, but also he's not. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah it, it is sort of interesting, especially in this day and age where, you know, <laughs> like gender is, is, is questioned in some ways. But I suppose the reality is, um, you know, without being crass about it, mm. just from a biological point of view, Jesus is the only part of the Trinity that has a penis. Yeah. Jesus is the only part of the Trinity that I would say even has chromosomes. Let's mm. like, don't worry about yeah, yeah, having yeah. an X and a Y chromosome. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is distinctly the only part of the Trinity who is biologically male. Mm. When we talk about the father, we're not talking about a biological no. father. And I think that that's interesting in a lot mm. of ways yeah. because it then creates a space to introduce those maternal elements Mm. which as you said can be really powerful for people who may be desiring Mm. a maternal Mm. love that is either um you know somewhat broken and fractured Mm. in their own life or completely absent but i think beyond that and it's something that um we've spoken about this idea that other cultures gods when they were to impregnate people there was mm. actually a physical act of sexual mm. interaction yeah. that they had. And then when we read the sort of, you know, the immaculate conception mm. of Jesus through Mary, we don't see sort of God coming down like a swan in a Zeus narrative yeah. or something and actually physically having sex with Mary. It is really countercultural uh, to all the other stories. Actually, interesting. It's the Holy Spirit. So jump ahead the Holy Spirit sure. week, but it's... The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, which is alluding to like the Shekinah glory over the tabernacle. Sure. sure. It's not, oh, the Father will, it's the Holy Spirit, which sure. then links back to like creation as well. Sure. So, yeah. 
yeah, it really um, what's the one? I can't think. Basically, it removes any sexual element yeah. that could be there for other yeah, yeah. Gentile readers who'd be yeah, yeah. growing up with stories of yeah. Zeus. And Even Hercules any like erotic sort of yeah. elements of it. Yeah. Uh, or thinking that Mary was somehow like, I don't know, uh, not many Christian thinkers, but maybe at the time with Gentiles, thinking that she was like forced into something that. Sure. Because the gods would do that in different stories. Well, yeah, rape women to, is yeah. a part of those stories yeah. a lot of the time, for sure. So, yeah, the whole thing is just very different to how it's basically removed any sexual element that was around yeah. in other mythologies at the time. Yeah, and I think that in all of this, um, this, this vision of a god who is depicted as father... Um, but also depicted as a, a mother who comforts her child. Mm. This is Isaiah mm. sixty six thirteen. Yeah. So will I comfort you and you'll be comforted over Jerusalem, this this comforting mother. It does start to really challenge this idea. Mm. And I think that obviously the metaphor of father is much more dominant than mm. the metaphor of mother. We need mm. to be careful. It's a tightrope there. Yeah. But there is this holistic element. And in some ways, like of course God embodies both sides mm. Of that, yeah, um, and, and he has to because both male and female create his image. Yeah, image bears not just the males; it's both. And so, and you say it too: women who who create life within them are carrying on the creator aspect of God within them. Mm. And that's what I love about that word, compassion. It's yeah. The root word is a womb, so it's yeah. tied in there. Like God's compassion is like a womb, like mm. bringing new life. Well, I think some of this sort of goes pretty um, seamlessly into our first question. Mm. So um, someone in our congregation obviously asked a bit about that. Um, Well, I'll read the whole question. So uh, in Genesis 127, uh, the quote is, let us, plural, (laughs) make Mm. man in our image. Um, But also then moving on from that, um, how do the characteristics then of God as father um, mm. inform how we are made in his image. Mm. Are, are those characteristics of Father then passed on to the people mm. he made? So I think it might be helpful just to clarify what we said on yeah. Sunday about Genesis 127, mm. and then we can go into the Father yeah. characteristics. But so, who's this us? <laughs> yeah, so there's two views on this. So yeah. the first one is that in the ancient world, there was um, a belief of what, what commentators call the divine council. Sure. So... In, and we see this a couple of times in Scripture where Yahweh is there in heaven and the sons of God or the angels are there yeah. doing his bidding. And essentially, sure. I like the word agents. Yep. God has agents. Yep. We are human agents that do his will on the earth and God has spiritual beings or angels that do his work in the spiritual world sure. as his agents. And so one view is that well, God was talking to the divine council. The angels let us do it. Sure. Um, that's sort of one view. Um, the Probably the predominant Christian view is that this isn't proving the Trinity. You can't read Genesis 1, 27. Oh, see, look, there's a Trinity there. Yeah. But w- what it does is it, and it happens a couple of times in Genesis. Here, when... Um, Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden and the Tower of Babel. Seems to imply some sort of plurality within God. Yeah. That there, and so the most Christian commentators I've come across would suggest that this isn't proving it. Can't see this as a proof text of the Trinity, but implies that there's something deeper in this relationship with God, and that hasn't just come out of the blue. We're told in Genesis one two, which I said yesterday, the Spirit of God's hovering over the face of waters. Yeah. 
And God said, let there be lights. I already have been introduced to the spirit hovering yeah. and then God speaking. So, yeah. And this is what the Hebrew Bible does. Drops these little nuggets of like, what does that mean? And yeah. then just, you just left to kind of ponder. <laughs> so, yeah, that would, I would take the second view that it's showing, uh, yeah, to use the kind of Christian theological word, a person hood like the yeah. the oneness of God with the persons but you can't use the proof text you can't read that and say oh that proves the Trinity definitively sure. but it, it's, it's starting to build a strong case yes. but it's not it's not the end sort yeah. of closing yeah. argument yeah. no yeah. more questions yeah. your yeah. honour yeah. we know. have the triune God yeah. okay, so cool. that's how I would say that so then with this idea mm. of Regardless whether yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Um, us being made in the yeah. image of God the Father and the angels, which mm. we don't subscribe to, you, yeah. you yeah, yourself yep. and I, um, or if it is, you know, more likely make us or make them in our image, yeah, yeah. as in uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, yeah, yep. we are still in part being made in the mm. image of not just the Trinity, mm. but in part God the Father. It does somewhat change the way that we view mm. just the single aspect of God the Father um, infiltrating us as humans through his characteristics but how do yeah. you see that okay. unraveling so I'll to kind of answer that I'll go back another step yeah and so that we actually need to kind of define what the image of God means Great. that's probably helpful and so there's I whipped up here some notes I had before so sort of three main views that theologians have so One's called the structural view that we're image bearers because we have a soul yep. within us. And that's what it means to be image bearers of God. So that's sort of the structural view. So basically our soul sets us apart from the animals. Yep. From the textual point of view, both Adam, so man, yep. are made from the Adama. Same with the animals. We're both formed from the same substance, but yep. there's something different about us. We're image bearers. And so some argue it's because we have a soul. And so we understand love, yep. virtue, etc. Another one is called the social view, that we image bearers because we can be in a relationship with God. Sure. So, yeah, all the reason we have God's image is because we're able, we're capable, unlike the animals, to be in a deeper relationship with God. Yep. But the view which I probably hold, and a lot of New Testament um, probably commentators and some theologians hold, is the functional view that humans are called to rule and subdue sure. the earth. And so to use that agent's language, God, basically, God is the boss. Yeah. And in, and in the spiritual world, the angels do his bidding. But in the earthly domain, humans are called to do that. And humans have this role to spread Eden out. Sure. And so to be image bearers is to, to, be, to share the characteristics of God. It's, yeah. it's called a Hebrew word for image, it's selam, which could also be idol. Yeah. It would also be an awkward translation. We're made in the idol of God. That would really put people off. But in temples, in ancient kingdoms, you would put in an idol so yeah. you knew who that God was. Sure. And that idol reveals the characteristics of that God. So yeah. it's Marduk. You're like, oh, it's a Babylonian. Well, Marduk, he's the chief God. He's the one who defeated you know, the monstrous creatures in the sea to become yeah. top dog. You know what he's like. Is this a wicked God, a gracious God? We're told in Exodus not to make an image of God. Sure. We are. And so in a sense, it reminds us whenever we look at a person that we're in God's domain. And as so, like we have a responsibility to carry on the command that we're yeah. called to, to rule and to subdue 
yeah. the earth. And so there's a, yeah, like like God, we, we function, we rule over, God rules over everything, we just rule over this domain. And so that's the view I hold, is sure. that to be image bearers. Yeah, sure, we have a soul and relationship with God, but I see it more, more deeper than just, oh, I'm an image bearer of God because I have a soul. It's actually because we fulfill a purpose sure. like God. So, so um, to summarize the, some of the characteristics of yes. the Father, which we as humans yeah. embody, are uh, to be stewards Steward. and caretakers yeah. and to rule and yeah. subdue you know, yes. over creation. Um, and I, I think that there's also inevitably an element of um, creation mm. in both nice. um, a creative mm-hmm. sort of, you know, artistic yep. expression uh, in a procreation mm-hmm. way, um, you know, and that's yeah. part of our sort of commission to, yeah. you know, go out and be fruitful and multiply. And I think that that fruitfulness even goes to um, farming and, oh. and, and building and creating in a way that's maybe often less artistic and creative, but mm. more um, sort of practical and still very life-giving in, in growing food in building places of of rest uh, and safety. Um, Yeah, I I see so much of that all being woven into the characteristic of God the Mm -hmm. Father. And that's what even, right, in a very earthly sense, like our our earthly fathers, our good earthly fathers, Mm. you know, they go out and work to bring, Mm. you know, home resources to allow us to to flourish. Mm. They help to establish a safe place, you know, our our houses. Uh, And yeah, ultimately they do have an authority of of headship over Mm. us, uh, whether you want to look at that from complementarian or egalitarian but essentially there is mm. still an authority yeah. there over it. So and I that, think... Yeah. And you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what that idea of like being an image bearer. And Genesis gives us a snapshot of what that looks like when Cain goes out and builds a city. Music is developed. Yeah. Farming practices. There are things that are like this. It's sort of like subtly implying this is what was supposed to happen, yeah. but it's corrupted. Yeah. And so we, we still carry in us the image of God, but... Yeah, everything we do is corrupted because of sin now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. what Jesus came to rectify. Yeah. Right. So um, let's sort of just change mm. gear for a second. Mm. Um, we had a question on the weekend, which we kind of answered a little bit, and mm. maybe there was a bit more uh, that we could go into it. It was, where did the word Trinity originate? Now, mm. obviously, there's the etymological yeah, meaning yeah. of it, of like, how does that word yeah, form? Yeah. But from a historical and even yeah. maybe church history context, um where did the word originate yeah, from? Um, so we will we'll probably talk about this a little bit more on Sunday, sure. but it was around the time of the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. So there was a guy called Arius, or Arius, Arius, A-R-I-U-S, who argued that, this is where Arianism comes from, that yep. heresy, that Jesus wasn't the son of God in a sense he was eternally begotten or eternally existed, but that he was the first created being and so yeah and, and so a number of his followers believe this and so there was a big sort of council where a guy called um, Athanasius argued that no 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 no, no Jesus yeah, it, it wasn't created and so this is where they had to kind of come up with the language yeah. of Trinity what's, that, so, what's our official belief yeah, so <laughs> what's that's our where, doctrine because so Trinity just means like tri-unity and yeah so and look I I'd have to Google it, but I think Trinity is probably just an English translation from like a Latin word. But essentially what Council and I say I had to work out is is Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit of the same essence or the same substance, the same nature, the same persons. 
and so there was a sort of huge debate about it. And eventually a council on IC came up that no, Jesus is not created. Like when we read that language only begotten, you can think created. Sure. And it's probably helpful now when newer translators say one and only, because begotten yeah. implies like there was a start point. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and so this is a quote that I had from Council on Nicaea. He was not a creature brought into being out of nothing, but the true Son of God brought into being from the substance of the Father. And so yeah. they're talking about the incarnation. That, yeah. yeah. Again, this stuff's trippy, man. Like, it blows your mind. But yeah, like, Scripture's pretty clear of this in John 10.30. I and the Father are one. And so that's what it came down to was Jesus and the Father and ultimately the Holy Spirit yeah. are like one and the same. So that's kind of like the, the short condensed yeah. version of no, yeah, I think like that's the, helpful yeah. the creeds and so the council on Nicaea was really important and there was another council called the Council of Constantinople which kind of clarified these things later. so this is where all our language comes from yeah. is that yeah scripture this is how my brain works I'm very concrete I like stories yeah. I like mysteries so I'm very happy when I just read like Genesis 18 and Abraham gets visited by three men and one of them is Yahweh and two of them are angels and you're like Haha, what does that mean but yeah yeah, with all the heresies you had to come to like an agreement this is the yeah. language we need and yeah. so that's why all these interesting enough many of the decisions made in the early church was born out of heresy the fact that we have a New Testament yeah. in the order it is because of uh, what's his name Marcion yeah got rid of all the Old Testament and yeah three of the gospels apart from Luke and all of Paul's letters because he liked Paul even though Paul was a Jew yeah, <laughs> he yeah, thought yeah. Paul was alright yeah 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 so so then in that we've got sort mm. of where the word trinity originated yeah. from and I think you've kind of answered this question a bit in mm. explaining the origins of the word trinity mm. but where did the trinity begin yes. or when is probably the when, correct word yeah. did the and trinity begin that's interesting I'm wondering if this person's thinking like when the usage was used or like God as a trinity well, we've kind of already looked yeah, yeah. at the usage, usage of the word. Yeah, so but I'm wondering if, the person's like, like yeah. thinking, but when did the Trinity begin? Well, from Scripture, God as a Trinity has just existed like eternally. Sure, God is outside our time and space. You go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> yeah. There was a beginning. And, yeah. you know, look, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've read from he- Hebrew stuff that, like better shit, it's like a um, half square, which Hebrew's written from right to left. I don't yeah. know, I'm trying to, it's like a ninety degree. It's like a square of, bracket. Square bracket. That's yeah, all yeah, I yeah. want. Yeah. And so, because Hebrew's read from right to left, they're saying like even the the better sheet, the 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 um bala. Yeah. Oh, no, the what's, what's the oh, I've had a mind blank. What the letter B is in Hebrew, I left bet bet. That's it. <laughs> I had to go back to my Hebrew one on one. The 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 bet. Is how it's designed. It's almost like time stops. This is where time begins. Yeah. So before that was God yeah. existing outside of time, and now we're in time. So yeah. cool. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a cool it little sounds thing. Sounds great. That, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of times those things aren't right. <laughs> they aren't right. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like it. it too. Just so. because it's not the original interpretation, I like yeah. that as a little like symbol on the yeah, side. Yeah. And so that. And so to answer that, like. God has existed outside of time, which before the the closed bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closed bracket. So, and that's something that we just can't 
comprehend. Like yeah. just existing with Well yeah. Well, at some point there was a moment of beginning. Yeah, but the idea is in the beginning God was already there. Yeah. Like that's just the assumption yeah. that's made. It doesn't even really go into it. Yeah, it doesn't need to see the need to unpack that. No. Like Yeah. Yeah, we spent like that big fat systematic theology textbook I have, it's got a whole bunch of things on when, you know. Yeah. Like God's characteristics and we're just speculating on those things and we yes. just don't Yes. Know. But the idea is all three parts of the Trinity were present before the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's really <laughs> as much as that not, sounds yeah, like yeah. a paradox. Yeah. That's that's the idea. Yeah, so it's not like um Yeah. And that, I guess that was like Arius was arguing with Jesus was the first and greatest created being. And it's like, well no, like Jesus yeah. has eternally existed. This yes. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. wasn't just created at Pentecost. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit's been there hovering over those waters yes. at the beginning as well. Yes. So and um, look, I'm sure that we can kind of go more into yeah. that in, in, in coming weeks. Mm. Um, there's a question here um, that says, in the New Testament, there are passages where God calls Jesus his son and Jesus calls God his father. That infers different relationship. How do we interpret that within the Trinity? Mm. Yeah, that's a brilliant question. And so the, uh, in theological, I guess, studies, there's talk about, I guess, sub, uh, what's the word they use? Subordination. So like submitting. So Jesus is, so almost like the father is like top dog, then the son, yeah. then the spirit. But then, yeah. yeah. And then but Jesus talks about submitting to the will of his father. But then at the yeah. same time too, we see Jesus acting on sort of, his own accord for sure. some things not necessarily yeah yeah asking god as father to yeah direct something like oh, I'm trying to think like when jesus heals people like sometimes he'll pray but sometimes he just does it yeah on his own volition yeah. and so yeah, stand up <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and so what i see here i kind of go back to hebrews son though he was he learned obedience through submission mm. and so looking at jesus as the perfect embodiment of Israel, yeah. Adam, and David gives you insight into that. So Jesus takes on this role. And so when he's baptized and says, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased, yeah. Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness. And that's not an accident. Yeah. He taking on the role of Adam as the first priest who gets tempted by Satan. He's out in the same wilderness that the, Israel, like the wilderness generation were tempted by. And... He goes there and he f- doesn't fail. Yeah. After the 40 days, symbolic of the 40 years, he comes back victorious. Yeah. So in a sense, it's his first major test. And the second one comes in the Garden of Gethsemane, not, yeah. you know, Father, remove this cup. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And yeah. so this is, yeah, th- these are hard things. And, like, I just can't give a clear answer on it. Like, Scripture yeah. doesn't, and there's theories, there's lots of theories you can read through different systematic yeah. theological textbooks and articles so I heard one person say, well, Jesus can't be God because he asks on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Because I thought sure. Jesus could forgive. Sure. And it's like, yeah, that's a great, it's yeah. a great point. Yeah. I mean, look, I think as we've already explored on Sunday, 
every metaphor has its limitation. Yeah. But I almost think of the way that if my back is itchy, mm. it's only really my hand that can scratch it. Yeah. Now I'm scratching myself. Yes. Right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, if my if my if my back had its own consciousness, mm, yeah. like it would be like, hey, hand, can you scratch me yeah. right now? And it's this idea that ultimately different parts within one being mm. are playing different roles. Yeah. And I think that that's you know the reality yeah. is they are all one. They're all mutually serving each, each other. other. Yeah. You know, like ultimately the back is protecting a bunch of vital mm. organs that the hand wouldn't yeah, even yeah. be able to work if the lungs and the heart yeah. and everything weren't there. But ultimately we have to understand within the Trinity that although they are all one, just in the same way that, you know, a hand and a back or an yeah. eye and a mouth are playing different roles, mm. they are mutually serving one another. But sometimes one has to take sort of subordination from another mm. or serve the other, you know. Mm. Um, and I think that, again, I'm sure there's limitations to that metaphor that we could well, pull really apart. that's really helpful. Like, it's a great, it's a great way of looking at it. And so, yeah, because we're not really given. There's no verse you can just. Oh, look, the closest I can think of is Philippians two, where um, imitating Christ's humility, um, you know, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality God something to be used to his own advantage, rather made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being found appearance of man, becoming beating to death on a cross and then therefore God exalted him to the highest place and even within that because I reckon this is an early church hymn seeing that like Jesus Christ who was in the nature of God did not consider quality with God you know he became a man and therefore God like it's like hey he yeah. was like God and then he did this and then God him like it's yeah very very like interconnected here yeah. you can see but yeah at this moment Jesus Christ humbled himself and yeah. what we'll look at this Sunday is I'll argue that Jesus is like he appears as the angel of the Lord yeah. several times in the Old Testament. Yeah. Most uh, Christian commentators would agree with that. Oh, it's yeah. definitely what they call a, yeah. a Christophany. Which, like, I don't know if it's my upbringing. Never heard about this. Yeah, okay. Never yeah. heard about Jesus in the Old Testament yeah. in my, like, growing up. But I don't know. Maybe that was just, yeah, like, yeah. the teaching at my church. It's like, yeah, it's a very... Yeah. Um, but like, rich idea mm. of the fact that Jesus is popping up throughout yeah. the Old and Testament. so the fact that Jesus coming as a man, that's wild. But Yahweh revealing himself to yeah. like an angel or a cloud or a fire, like being present but having another like person to use that language is yeah. not foreign. Yeah. It's sort of it's hinted throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, seeing something like that is that at this moment Jesus did humble himself. There is a submission to the Father's will who sends him. Yeah. But then we're told, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name as above every name. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, if you're looking at it, then suddenly Jesus is like top dog. Yeah. But it's also God. Yes. <laughs> the same. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mutually submitting yeah. to one another. Yeah. And I think that, again, that's why the more you think about that idea of a really healthy marriage mm. being a beautiful image for, you know, like Jesus and the church, you know, part of that idea is as the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in us, we are invited into that relationship. Mm. And I think that that relationship of marriage and our relationship with Jesus is once again showing the the heart of the Trinity oh. itself. It's obviously not the same, yeah, but yeah. it's another iteration yeah. or echoing of that ultimate relationship of Father, Son and mm. Spirit being in mutual submission and love and service to one another. 
Um, uh, we've got a question that I think we might save for this coming Sunday, yeah, which was, really was Jesus, Jesus as man a limited being? And we actually were going to talk about that anyway. Yes. So I so. think that that will be definitely one that we'll cover as we look at Jesus in the Trinity this mm. week of Jesus being a, was he a limited being? Yeah. Um, but I think that one question, uh, the final question, we kind of started <laughs> off with these questions in Genesis 1. Mm. <laughs> Let's finish off in Revelation. Yeah. Um, the question was, when we finally arrive in heaven and meet God face to face, how will a triune God present themselves to us? Will we see like Abraham and Sarah, three separate (laughs) beings? Mm. Will we see two separate beings of the father and Mm. the son and the Holy spirit flying over our heads as a dove? What do you think? Tell us, tell us the definitive (laughs) answer. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And the person who asked me that question, I said the same thing. And he said, look, if the answer is, I don't know, I'm happy with that. And I was like, look, I don't know. Um, Close as like, let's let's whip up Revelation now. Sure. Revelation 22. Yeah. So really just I'm told. That's it. Yeah. We're told flowing from, yeah, then the angel showed me the river of, of the water life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Isn't that interesting? It's God same throne. And the Lamb. Yeah. yeah. So down the middle of the great street. Yeah, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. See their face. See their face. Like, you know, yeah. They'll see his face. See his face. Jesus, Father. Because yeah. I'm assuming here when John's talking about God, we're assuming the Father. That seems to be how the Old Testament, sure. sorry, New Testament authors often talk about the Father, sure. like God. Yeah. I don't know. I got got a thought. You got a thought. So I love, obviously, that video that we showed from Bible Project Mm. about us as kind of being Mm. two-dimensional beings, seeing a three-dimensional being Mm. like a triune God, not being able to fully comprehend it. And I think, this is a guess, that if we are to then enter a realm in Mm. where heaven and earth meet, that there will not just be a physical and spiritual sort of collision, for lack of a Mm. better word, but also a dimensional opening up in some way. And I think in that, in the same way that there are birds that are sort of like colors ultraviolet colors that we can't even see Mm. right now i think we will be able to actually see and understand things greater um i don't think it will be like this but i almost think of those paintings of a man that has three faces sort of you know Mm. the the five eyes or whatever and the three noses and everything it's this idea that all three parts of the trinity being fully revealed in one person that is beyond a natural human understanding and maybe even there will be you know these three elements of the trinity all revealing themselves at the same time in different dimensional ways to us in one place that is a complete guess it is but that's this idea of this high vibrating Mm. force that we can appreciate almost in the same way that you could see somebody physically and they are also singing and they are also i don't know throwing confetti out or or doing dance moves at the same time there's multiple senses or maybe they're Mm. wearing a beautiful perfume that's a better one you can see them you can smell them you can hear them and there's these multi-dimensionals all as one person you know i just noticed i was just reading revelation 21 there's the spirit and he carried away in the spirit to the mountain so even yeah so there's an element of the trinity is present here in Revelation. I was wondering, I was like, I wonder where the Spirit is. The Spirit's taken John up to the mountain. So, look, 
They just don't know. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. And see, I'm very comfortable with mysteries. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. But look, I think before we close, what's important about the Trinity and what, what I like about this Philippians passage is Paul doesn't just unpack the Christology of Jesus and his you know, nature of being like God and taking on yeah, a, 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 a human, you know, human form. There's a purpose to it, and there's a, verse twelve is that therefore, my dear friends, and he talks about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to act and fulfil His good purposes. And he talks about no doing about grumbling or arguing, arguing, so you became blameless and pure children of God. He talks about you know not doing anything with vain conceit or basically the point of like Paul's theology is to enact practical living. Yeah. And so the point of like the Trinity, it's very easy to just sit in like the cerebral. I'm guilty. This is probably my biggest issue. It's like, yeah. and I like how you always pull me up. So what's the purpose of that? I'm like, oh, great question. Like yeah. I really struggle with application. And yeah. so when we come to this, yeah, God the Father, there needs to be, and how the Trinity works as a perfect triune God, yeah. is that should push us like Paul here with the church at Philippi, hey, you need to actually, how your relationships are. Yeah. Is it reflect needs to reflect how God is. If we're image bearers, then we need to reflect the characteristics of God, which yeah. is to be a servant king. And yeah, and so that's all it's out. It's like, okay, cool, we have got our heads kind of twisted and understanding how Jesus is like subordinate to the Father for this period, yeah. that should show, okay, then we too need to be like a servant like Jesus, to yeah. pick up our cross each day and walk after him to yeah. If God is our heavenly Father and we are His firstborn Son, then we need to reflect, yeah. like the firstborn, like the the Son of David, to walk in a new likeness of Him. Because otherwise, it's just pointless. <laughs> in many ways, yeah. like it's theology about practical yeah. application is yeah. just head knowledge, which yeah. even the demons believe there is one God and yeah. shudder. Like it's yeah, like yeah, James yeah. is like, hey, that's cool, man. Like Satan yeah. knows that God's real, but yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. help him, and sure. so. That can be the danger with one of these, like sort of doing something. It's important, also too, like hey, walking away and understanding. Well, you know, God can be this perfect being of love. How are we reflecting that perfect being of love in yeah. our relationships with each other, our family, and our friends? And so, totally, kind of my closing application for our dear yeah. listeners, yeah, and for myself too, because it's sure. easy to talk about this stuff. But yeah, I yeah. can think of, yeah. It's always a joke, you know. Ministry would be easier if there was no people. <laughs> but that's the reality. Is actually when, yeah. we, when we work with people, yeah. there would be like secular appointment ministry. There's going to be conflict, but yeah. we're called to be going above and beyond to reflect yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it gives us that example of how the Trinity, Him as the second person of the Trinity, use that language. Yeah, shows yeah how we interact with yeah yeah our heavenly Father. Yeah. I love it. I love mm. it. And I think that that sort of perfectly summarizes the, the answer to that question mm. uh, that we were given of, yeah, can you really know the Trinity and mm. not have God's love? And I think yeah. that, that that's the answer. If you truly in your heart mm. know and understand what yeah. that means for that perfect relationship that the Trinity itself holds, we're going to want to mirror that in our communities, mm. in our relationship with mm. God. And yeah, ultimately in our in our you know day to day mm. activities, so that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, look, man, I'm looking forward to unpacking oh, yeah. uh, the, the second part of the Godhead yeah, in, in the song this weekend. Be, yeah, so lots of going to the angel of Yahweh, yes. angel of the Lord, and exploring some of the more mysterious passages 
in scriptures. So, yeah, for some people, this will be, oh, yeah, that's not so exciting. But yeah. probably for others, they're like, whoa, I never thought about that. And yeah. probably challenge some, probably some misconceptions. Yeah. Yeah, love it. So, be good. Well, yeah, bring your questions on Sunday about yeah. the sun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.